Hello, happy holidays, and welcome to our once a month ish uh, <laughs> get together uh, where Terry Smith and I, Jesse Jackson, get together and talk whatever is on our Bruce topic mind. Technically, it's supposed to be about the archives, but it seems like whenever we get together, there's always two or three topics to cover. Terry, happy holidays, my friend. And the same to you, Jesse, and to everyone listening. And as you say, um, yeah, heavy on the ish, but we'll talk about that. But it's great to be here, as always. It is great to be here as well. I always love catching up with you. How are things over um, in Scotland? Well, the um, challenging is the answer um, in the whole of the UK, really. So it appears we now have a um, a strain of the COVID virus that trans transmits, or I've, at least I've learned this week that transmissible is actually a real word. Um, but yeah, it's it's no more um, it's no more impactful in terms of making people ill, but it's a lot easier to catch. So uh, last night there were announcements, um, both in uh, well across the four nations, that says basically Christmas don't do it, and we'll we're then going into in Scotland we're going into a three week lockdown, but full lockdown. But my expectation is it will run for a couple of months until the vaccination program ro rolls out. So. It's a challenging time, but the good news is at this end we're all healthy, and that's what we should be grateful for, really. Um, absolutely, my friend. Uh, here in Texas, there is there is rumors. My my boss is very connected politically. Um, in a past life, he actually worked with several candidates to um, get them elected, both in the national and state level. He is just he is unsure but he has a feeling there will be another lockdown uh, with the new administration so we're kind of everything in our job is um kind of preparing for that just in case it happens luckily uh most everyone uh, we've had a few people that gotten sick but we can trace it that it was not through work um everyone in my household is safe Great. and and we are um, Chris is going to come over and spend Christmas weekend with us, and uh, so we're we're excited and um, ready to celebrate and counting the days till January twentieth. If I may throw that in there, <laughs> <laughs> you certainly can. We all are. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we have a full agenda. We do. Uh, so we have two archives to discuss. Uh, we have a little special bonus we're going to talk about since it is the holiday season. And I understand that living in the UK, you have not had a chance to watch Bruce on Saturday Night Live yet. Well, in fairness, I, I probably I should have gone onto YouTube and watched it, and it's been one of those things. We've got a load of other stuff going on that I, can't, I must I must watch that. So, uh, no, I haven't had that pleasure yet, but I'm really keen to hear what you've got to say. Uh, yeah, um, I was, you know, I'm, uh, I'm ecstatic all day, just, you know, kind of anticipating, anticipating. Um, and the, you know, when you hear the, them kicking into ghosts, right away you start smiling. Yeah. Um, I thought that the band was a little rusty, which after um, we were debating, is it four or five years? And then Linda because she watched it yesterday with me, was like, has it really been that long since you've been to a Bruce show? I know. I know. I said, yes. She goes, no, it can't be. And we started counting. She's like, holy 
how are you doing? Like, <laughs> I keep talking all, to Terry. I keep doing podcasts. <laughs> yes. I said, thank you, Linda, for not acknowledging that. Um, I thought the band was a little shaky, and I thought the voice was a little weak yep. uh, on a couple of the high notes. But such a joy to hear them. Um, they looked like they were having a blast. Uh, it was interesting, and you'll see this, um, Jake was on Ghost, but Charlie was not on stage. Oh, um, really? Yes, and um, and I do not. I should have done my better. The, you know, both Susie and uh, Susie and Gary decided they weren't going to make the trip. Gary yeah. was very plain in Twitter saying two songs. What to me was not worth a week in New York City, yep. and I say good for him. Agreed. Um, absolutely, because um, he has a lot. F- further to travel right I, yep. I believe he lives in nashville uh so the young guy who was the basis i should have written his name down was in the back and they did not show him very often but when it did he looked absolutely just having a blast i bet i bet, I bet. yeah and then they came back and they did uh i'll see you in my dreams which was absolutely beautiful uh, most of us had not had that because there was a whole day on Twitter like, oh, what are they going to do? What are they going <laughs> to do? Um, I thought the voice was much stronger and very sweet. Um, and this time, Jake wasn't on stage and Charlie was. Oh. Uh, and so I think that because of just trying to social distance and try to keep it as safe as they can, uh, Maureen shared that she did not go to the show. Um, she watched it from home, but she understood that um, you have your mask on to the very last minute before you're going to take off. Yeah. So they were very safe. Um, it was great to hear them. And I had been, I had, in my mind, burning train with what I would open the show with. But after hearing Ghost and him, I hear the sound of your guitar. <laughs> I have yeah, no man. doubt that that is when we get a new show, that will be the, like, meet me in the city. Yep. Ghost will be the start of the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I can't wait. That was my track off the album, and uh, I, can't, uh, I can't wait to hear that live. So uh, I look forward to, um, after I've watched the Seahawks tonight, I may put on the YouTube of those clips then. Oh, very nice. So we've got, um, we have two archives to talk about we're going to we're going to do an order of release not um not timey yep. so we're going to do very doctor who-ish right we're going to do <laughs> we're going to go to greensboro first okay thank you jesse and uh, just on the ish thing you know greensboro came out and then the, the london show came out and i pinged jesse and said so much for releasing one a month because it seemed like it had been about two weeks between the two and then I looked and had to go back and say, oh, in fairness to them, it is actually a month. So it's uh, it's been a busy time. But yeah, um, Greensboro, there's, there are a lot of positives in this, but I will say up front that I do have quite a big but about this release. But let's let's talk about the positives first and then I'll talk about my, my but and my concern. I guess the first thing to say is what a start. It's not actually clear on the archive release, but the Blood Brothers that kicks off the show, this was not long after Danny had passed away. So the show's actually started with a video. uh, And I believe it's actually the version of Blood Brothers from the last night of the reunion tour at Madison Square Garden. So it sounds on the album like it's sort of live, because obviously it was a live performance, but uh, that was a video. 
And then they go into two tour debuts, which is one hell of a way to start a show. The first is Roulette. In my 48 shows, I've seen it once. It was in Dublin. It was song three, and it just absolute powerhouse. And then into Don't Look Back, which I've never seen. Um, so great start. I guess other highlights for me was Patty was not um, on this leg of the tour. So on Magic, you hear Susie actually sing. And what I mean by that is she's always doing backing vocals. So it's really nice, I think, to hear her. Gypsy Biker was always a highlight for me of the Magic Tour. It's a long version with Bruce and Steve do, doing a little guitar battle, which I always love. Any show that has Trapped In um, is always a great show for me. And I would say to anyone, if you haven't gone and listened to the Jimmy Cliff original, go and listen to it, because um, uh, I think Bruce does, Bruce does a, a good job on that. And then I guess the other thing, well, there's one in here for you, Jesse, which is this was also the tour premiere of Murray's Place. I know a lot of people that sort of, oh, Murray's Place got, it got a bit fat and it got a bit bloated and it went on. They do a great job here because it's really crisp and it's really on point. And I've always, like you, been a fan of the song, but uh, I think it's a great performance. And then you've got... You know, only Bruce can do this. He does Murray's Place, which is a bit of the party song. He then does Waiting on a Sunny Day. He then goes into Devil's Arcade. <laughs> um, yes. And, you know, the, my, my takeaway, you, you look at this end of the main set, and it's a reminder, I think, of how strong the Magic album was and the material. My personal view is the album itself, you know, if and when he tours again and he gets back into doing album shows, I hope he does magic from start to finish because I still think the production was a bit off for the album. But the actual songs, and you, you look at the clothes, you've got Devil's Arcade, The Rising, Last to Die, Long Walk Home, and Badlands. And it is barnstorming. And my personal favourite, well, I've got two. Devil's Arcade, I just think, is if, if, you, if we did an episode on underrated songs by Bruce Springsteen, that would be right near the top of my list. My first ever show in the pit was in Cardiff in 2009, I think it was. And I remember just, it felt like I'd been hit in the stomach by that song. I mean, it was just incredibly powerful and moving. And then Long Walk Home is probably my favourite song of the post-reunion um, era. So a great finish and then a fairly... the. Uh, Backstreet's is, is a good version, but fairly, fairly standard clothes. I guess you've got Ramrod in there. So lots, lots, lots to like. However, and it's yes. really interesting, and you'll think this is a setup, but you saying that the voice was a bit thin on Saturday Night Live. Vocally, and I don't know, and I have been retentive enough to go back. I haven't listened to whole shows, but I've listened, for instance, to numerous versions of Radio Nowhere off the Magic Tour. Vocally, I don't know whether he was struggling that night. I don't know whether it's something they'd done with the mix, because the other thing I will say is, whilst we all love Stephen, and when he puts his mind to it, as he showed on his own solo shows and the River Tour, he really can sing and harmonise. But quite often, it's what my wife says, oh, Steve's being enthusiastic again because um, he doesn't always hit it and it's <laughs> yes. there's a lot of that on this now I don't know whether that's the mix or I don't know whether Bruce was struggling that night and Steve is trying to cover up and I also realize it may just be me but it's one of those that the first time I listened to it it was like uh, 
and there's there's numerous out in the street there's a few sort of wincy moments and of course now every time i'm listening to it i'm just waiting for to spot something else whilst i'm glad it's in the collection i think this you know i think this is a reminder that you know your podcast called being called set listing set listing is a great thing but it's not the performance so you look at this as a set and i'm like brilliant listening to it didn't quite work so when i saw this i i was very excited because and we'll talk about this when we go to the next archive you know my obsession fandom came in the modern era so i'm always partial to newer shows yeah and um was excited to see the magic i do agree that the magic songs on this set list were my highlights my downside is they did not do girls with their summer clothes i was very disappointed because that and i'll work for my love are probably the two of my favorite songs on magic and so i'm all in favor of your idea of if we're going to do an album show can you please do magic (laughs) um you know but i but i think even those of us who think working on a dream is not a very strong album to have him do working on the dream in a row would be interesting just to hear all these songs done live you don't normally get to hear yes i was very happy with mary's place um that is someone recently asked what show do you want in the archive to be released and i said if i had any wish it would be my first show uh dallas texas 2002 on the rising tour because i I would love to revisit that first live experience from now this with experienced eyes and ears oh sure to give you a little background uh, for a long complicated story that is not worth repeating we ended up getting in the car late at night from louisiana heading home and so we're in the car and i mentioned to linda i said you know terry's gonna call me anytime soon i'm gonna have to do this archive <laughs> and she goes well it's you know <laughs> this is like three four weeks ago and she says well this is a seven hour car ride just here, you know, let's put it on. And so I'm listening to it in the car stereo and I'm like, this is not a very, it sounds, and this is going to sound cheesy. It sounds live. It sounds almost like a really, a bootleg that's been copied by a copied. It, 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 It did not have the clearness of many of the live shows. And so that's why I don't know if it's Bruce's voice. I don't know if it's the mix, but it was at times I I would have to adjust the volume in the car, you know, and true. Our car speakers are not high, the high five, but it is a pretty decent sound system, right? I'll Um, tell you what, your current car speakers 30 years ago, we'd have got really excited about. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to someone for an episode coming up in January about Born to Run. And as much as you love Born to Run, it also means, okay, we're getting toward the end of the set. And in this case, it really was, yeah. right? <laughs> they you know, like, wow, he really waited till the end. Um, and then American Land is a song that I just adore. I, I love hearing that. I love the introduction of the band. And so that was nice. So I agree with you. And one of the things that I when I'm looking at this before you and I started 
um, reviewing these is I would pick, well, how many unique songs are on this? Yeah. Right? Like, okay, I'm sure the experience will be fun, but if I want just unique songs, is there worth on this? And this one was with all the magic. I, I was like, okay, yes, I want to hear these magic songs. And it was a good set list, as you said, but I agree with you. Either because of the recording, it was kind of. I don't know if I would go back and listen to this a lot. No, and that's and that's and that's my measure as well. That says when I look at the set list, it should be one that I would love to go back. And I I doubt that I will. But um, hey, that's uh, yeah. we, we can't say everyone is fantastic. Just one quick yeah. point, by the way, Jesse, you saying about um, you know the latest stuff. Uh, I actually think when he tours again, complete album shows are a possibility. I realize this isn't, but it's a shame. It was, it was a thing on Twitter a few days ago. I would love him to do a leg of the tour where he plays nothing pre-reunion because I actually think there's so much good material. And, there's, you know, you think about when, when he starts touring again, how many of these magic songs will actually make it into a set list? And I suspect it will be one or two. And, you know, there's, as, as this does show, albeit not our favourite recording mm. or mix, it made me go back and listen to that album again, and it's a great album. You and I have had this discussion because I've shared very early in the podcast. I had a guest and I said I would be thrilled with a set list that started with Tunnel of Love, went forward, and he said he would be happy with the set list that's, that went from darkness, went backwards. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I get that, but I think the rarity because we do get now we do get a fair amount of songs from greetings and yes and yes and so and there are certain songs that you get almost every show as i've said before my friend sam says okay let's not do born to run and give me another song okay yes. i'd be okay not hearing born to run and my argument is Everyone's show is someone's first show, and if this is your first time seeing Bruce Springsteen, if you don't hear Born to Run, you're going to walk away sad, even though you may get a four-hour show. Yeah. Um, but interesting. Speaking of, then they did release Hammersmith Odin, but the next show, right? Uh, maybe you can give me a little bit of history on this, but I read a little bit, right? Like, there's the famous show that um, they released with a DVD and everything a few years ago, but I guess this was a, a another show on that same visit, correct? Yeah. Um, I mean, if I may, I'll give you a bit of, bit of history Please. and, a bit of, I guess, a bit of context. So if you look at, you know, 1975, because I'm, I'm sure... You know, folks in the states, if they, and if they're particularly if they're reading up on this, going, well, what was the fuss about? But if if you look at UK music in 1975, one, the UK in the mid 70s was in a pretty tough place. We'd had the three day weeks. There was so economically in that there was an awful lot of tension in the in the country. But the music business, basically, there were three music magazines. There was Melody Maker, which had come from the old sort of jazz side of things. There was NME, or the New Musical Express, which had come from more from the, the rock side. And there was a new magazine called Sounds. So those, those were the three. And anyone who was interested in music read one or more of those magazines. And I say that because they were incredibly influential. And then you've got the BBC is the national broadcaster. And there was a guy called John Peel, who was similarly very influential. And the final piece of the jigsaw, if you look at it, 
you know, the Sex Pistols released their first single one year and two days after this show. And the reason I say that is in 1975, the, the music labels, you know, were pumping out. It was, it was the era of Yes and Topographic Oceans and ELP and Pink Floyd and all of this over-the-top progressive stuff, which, by the way, I loved. But there was a real backlash emerging against that um, and against the record companies basically telling people what they should like. And into that, and the reason for mentioning the Sex Pistols was that it really was the start of punk coming up, and punk was a, a whole rebellion against that. So in the middle of all that sort of milieu that's going on, <laughs> CBS decide that they are going to, in the UK, that they are going to do this mega hype campaign about Bruce Springsteen. And, you know, the John Lando, I've seen the future of rock and roll, and then there was the big, you know, is, is London ready for Bruce Springsteen and all of this. So Bruce basically walked into this complete storm <laughs> that he clearly wasn't prepared for, where anybody, and I include myself, you know, I loved, uh, I liked Greetings, I loved The Wild, The Innocent, The Street Shuffle. You know, Born to Run came out late August, and there was like, well, this is very different. And it was clearly a bid for stardom. So there was a whole sort of backlash against who is this guy that CBS are trying to push down our throats. And he turns up at Hammersmith Odeon, the signs up everywhere, which he famously rips down. And, and as you say, they've released the album, they've released the DVD. The myth became that Springsteen bombed. And I think he thought he'd bombed. Now, I mentioned John Peel. I can remember listening to John Peel the night after the first show, and he came on, and he was from Liverpool, like maybe he talked like this, and uh, he said, I went to see this Bruce Springsteen person last night. No, that's a Birmingham accent, Terry. You need to stop that. <laughs> but he basically <laughs> said, I went to see this Bruce Springsteen guy last night, and to my surprise, he actually wasn't bad. Um, in true John Peel thing, he then played something off the wild, The Innocent. But there was this whole thing that, that Bruce Bond, and if you watch the DVD, it's not a bad show, but they do not look comfortable. They play stuff far too fast. It's it's certainly not one of the highlights. They then went off to Sweden for, I think, two shows, and they then came back six days later to do this show. And I'll stop there because until this came out, I had never heard this, and I'm keen to get your view, and then I'll give you mine. But that's that's the sort of history. But as far as they were concerned, this was... Night two, almost a week later, and in the first show, they really had not conquered London. In fact, quite the opposite. So I really loved hearing this, and partly because there is a, there are a couple of guys that do um, Springtime for Springsteen, which is an excuse for their podcast, basically for them just to joke and laugh around. and. <laughs> And in like one of their very early shows, because neither one of them are big Springsteen Springsteen fans, they said the E Street Band should just be a cover band. They are so fantastic; they should just tour and do nothing but covers. And and I'm just laughing at the absurdity of this. And they're they are very much tongue in cheek. But when I hear all these covers on this, I'm I like, know. this band was having a blast. And if the reason I want an archive is for songs I don't normally have, this is the motherload yeah. of just, and it just seems like, you know, 
in this modern era, right, they have stumped the band, you know, and they're doing signs. And you feel like they're just looking like, hey, Steven, what do we want to play next? Sure. I don't know. You want to do Wear My Ring? Sure, let's do that. Hey, Clarence, what do you like? Well, I love when you walk in the room. Okay, let's do that. There is and, – and maybe they just didn't give an F. Well, is, well honestly, I am so pleased. I'm so pleased about two things. One, that you picked up, because that's my view. And two, my view, because also you look at, the first show was 16 songs, and that was pretty typical for shows of those times. There's 22 songs. And I think the encore, and particularly, you know, the last seven cover versions, I think that is, do you know what? In my head, that's them going, okay, we made it to London. We made it to Hammersmith Odeon. We may never be back. We are going out on a high. We are just going to play. We're going to go out all guns. I've, I think the whole show is all guns blazing. I think they're proving a point. But I, most importantly for me, the first Hammersmith show, I don't enjoy watching because you can feel the tension. Whereas this just feels like they're having an absolute ball. And it gets better and better and better. I absolutely agree. And, you know, the other thing I thought of, I have an episode coming up pretty soon. A um, a singer songwriter, Emily Kalicher, she is from Liverpool. Oh wow! And uh, they, the, her record company, reached out and said, "Hey, she has a new album coming out, a new single. Would you want to talk to her?" And you know me, I, I love talking to anyone. So yeah. I'm like, "Yes!" And so we had a lovely time. She's she's like 19, um, and she talked about growing up in Liverpool you better be careful if you're doing a Beatles cover. <laughs> like, like, she's like, if, you know, she says you can do other covers and you can do original music, but if you bring out a Beatles cover, they says, she says you can picture them folding their arms and going, okay, yep, really? Prove me something. And um, now I'm sure Bruce is saying Twist and Shout is an Isley Brothers cover. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see, yeah. there you go. <laughs> uh, but um, I just, I agree. I thought it was fun. You know, I, I love the acoustical Thunder Road. Yep. Um, I, I just think, in fact, that is one of the highlights of the original Hammersmith when I got that. I just loved him, you know, playing on the piano and talking about that. It's so funny. Because at this point, you know, 10th Avenue Freeze Out and Born to Run are just new songs they're working on. Yeah, and, bo know, and Born are... to Run still needs some work because that's, yes. that's a shaky... I mean, I always yeah. argue that it was it was probably the Born in the USA tour before they actually learned to play Born to Run live properly. Well, <laughs> well I, I remember that a few years ago, uh, Bruce was being interviewed for 60 Minutes here in the U.S., and the guy says, you know, and there's one song that you just write three letters and it play, you know, BTR. Yep. And, you know, Lil Steven, I think it was, um, it might have been Roy are talking. And he says, yes, we do it every night and sooner or later we're going to get it right. <laughs> and um, the 60 Minutes guy laughed and Lil Steven looks over at Roy and goes, he thinks we're joking. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you know? Well, apparently there's still there's still a drum lick in there that Max to this day, in the in the recorded version, that Max to this day cannot play. So I've seen Max that interviewed funny, and he's yeah. just said, no, he said, Ernest Boomcart, he said, there's one bit I just cannot do. And for all our discussions of the magic one, this is one I will go back and play, uh, I think, because just um, 
a bunch of lads having a blast. And and you like you're right. If you this may be the last time we ever play in London, WTF. Absolutely. Let's just go out and have a blast. And sometimes joy and energy are better than musical uh, perfection. Correct. And I think to go back to my Saturday Night Live discussion, and it'll be interesting when you see, and I, I know you'll shoot me an email, right? The joy that they're like, I can't believe we're getting to play together after yeah. all this time. Uh, you know, that we're here next to each other and we're playing rock and roll, you know, and, and we're not just doing an acoustical set in the barn or, you know, on Zoom. We are here in front of a scaled down audience and we are getting to celebrate the greatness of rock and roll. Well, there was a joy. Well, it's fascinating you should say that because I have a neighbor who plays in a uh, very successful Scottish band called Sugar Nifty. Um, and we managed to get out for a beer and a bite to eat before everything locked down uh, a few days ago, and they have a new album out, and, of course, they would have been touring and all of that, so they've done the one-hour, you know, live recording. And I was saying um, to Gary, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to flatter, I said, but I actually thought it worked really, really well. And he said... Do you know why? And I said, well, that. he said, we were just so happy to be seeing each other again and playing together. And that, you know, if you watch the video, that comes across that uh, that joy. And as you say, in this, this is one I will keep going back to. I mean, let me, I, I thought you absolutely hit the nail on the head. Let me just a couple of other comments if I can. Um, Jesse. Sure. One of the things I've always loved about Bruce is the way he thinks about how he opens a show. And I think going out to open a show and he did this both nights in London, and to do it the second night when you don't think the first night has gone or the first show has gone very well, to come out with him and just Roy on the piano, and I think Danny's doing a bit of glockenspiel about, and do Thunder Road is, I think, brave, and he absolutely nails it. And one of the lovely things, um, and if folks haven't seen this, go onto YouTube and seek it out. But in 2012, when he did Hard Rock Calling again in Hyde Park he actually opened the show with him and Roy and just doing Thunder Road. And he actually says, um, this was the first song we sang live when our feet hit the ground in London uh, for the first time. And it's a really moving version of it. So, uh, But I think this is, you know, the version on here, you won't get any better than that. Pretty Flamingo was a song that as in, like, I'd be about eight, I absolutely loved um, I love the story and you know when I first started reading about Bruce in the early 70s in one of those music mags new musical um, sorry melody maker you know Michael Watts was the New York reporter and he would come back and it would be things like he's doing pretty flamingo <laughs> um, the version of Rosalita I know we can get tired of Rosalita oh yeah there go. I mean it is just stunning and then they stop halfway through <laughs> And the, yeah, you can hear the audience aren't really aren't quite sure what to do, and there's the bit of the uh, theme from Shaft in there and everything. Um, and then you look at the encores. I mean, again, Sandy is a song I always thought were, they were shaky on in the early days. I think they absolutely nail it on this. And 
just to show my commitment to uh, Mr. Springsteen, uh, in the 80s, I did have a uh, serious relationship for a number of years with a lovely lady called Sandy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It wasn't just uh, because she was called Sandy, I swear. Uh, So that's always a special song for me. And then you mentioned, I mean, you look at it, there's then eight songs. There are, well, there's more than seven cover versions because Detroit Melody has, what, three or four in. Yeah. But in the middle of a, you know, as whoever it said, this should be a covers band. You know, if if you went to a wedding and the band were playing that, you'd be happy, wouldn't you? But in the middle of it, he does this unbelievable version of For You. Yes. And for me, it's the absolute highlight because, I mean, I've been listening to that song for, what, 47 years? And genuinely, when that came on, I just stopped. And I heard the song differently lyrics that before just landed in a different way so i would say to anyone if you're thinking about buying an archive get this one and frankly it's worth it just for you but the whole show um i have to plug um back in september 2019 uh mark barkin who wrote pretty flamingo was on the show um, and he also had written the Tralala song. Um, he's, he was an absolutely great discussion. He passed last year, and I replayed the show. Uh, Ed Rakowski, who is a wonderful fan of the podcast, was related to Mark, and he said, hey, would you want to want to talk to him? It's an absolutely brilliant show because Mark has had been in the music business forever. Absolutely. He wrote Leslie Gore, She's a Fool, and it is so um, if you if you have not heard that, go back and talk, and he is so funny. He never met Bruce. Really? He he was like my only regret was he never put it on an album. As any times he played it, why did he never throw it on an album? <laughs> Royalties would have <laughs> been <know>? nice. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but um, he loved his version of it, and so uh, I please I just wanted to give oh, that hour. Hey. He is absolutely a joy to talk to. Um, was a very sweet man. Um, so it is worth going to look out if you just do Set Lesson Bruce, Mark Barkin, uh, or Set Lesson Bruce, Pretty Flamingo, you'll hear it, and I think it's worth your time. Oh, absolutely. Well, I had not, I'd missed that one, and I didn't know you wrote that song, so I will absolutely go back and listen to that, Jesse. Thank you. On New Year's Eve, I'm actually going to be listening to the Hammersmith show, um, not least of which, as we talked before uh, we started recording, I've got my mother-in-law who's in her 70s staying with us, uh, because she's poorly, and she will love all of those cover versions. <laughs> I wish things had been reversed and that Lynn and I in the car were listening to that one. Yes. I think she would have really loved that. Um, um, you know, When I Walk Into the Room yeah, yeah. Uh, is just a great song, and um, they do a great cover of it, so absolutely this is really, really well, wonderful. Well, also, I mean, like, even quarter to three, which, again, I've heard countless times, but there's a doo-wop bit in the middle that I've never heard them do before. So, yeah, I think it's, as you can probably hear, I think it's an absolute joy. I'm smiling talking about it. And uh, yes. I think when people talk about the old days, and by, by the way, you know, I didn't try and get tickets for the 75 shows because I was still in the, mm, I'm not sure about him. I think when people talk about the old days and the great shows, this is probably the first one I've heard where I go, okay, you've got a point. 
this is a bit special. When uh, Charles and I, for the anniversary, we did our TARDIS show, what shows would you go back and use your TARDIS? This would be one I'd add it to. This would be kind of fun to see. Um, Just the energy and them going, so absolutely great. Um, Oh, fun, fun discussion. But we're not done, are we? We are certainly not done, Jesse. You sent me an email and said, when we release this, it's going to be right at Christmas. And by the way, I just tweeted someone tongue-in-cheek saying that Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen is the worst Christmas song. (laughs) Uh, My friend Junior, who does the How Many podcast with me, says it's Bruce's greatest hit. And he said, what does he play after he does that? Uh, So I'm somewhere in the middle. I love his version. If I had to pick, I'd probably pick Blue Christmas at the... Uh, carousel show a little bit over okay uh, santa claus coming to town only because i also know that is clarence's last show so there is Uh, a little bit of sentimentally there but you asked me a question if you had you could bruce was on the speed dial and uh he called you and said hey i'm thinking about doing a christmas album what should i do you said uh, what would you pick? Yep. So talk to me a little bit about that premise and then I'm going to share, I think I'm supposed to share my pick first. Uh, yeah, it was, it was simply, as you say, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Santa Claus is coming to town and we'll probably play out with a bit of that actually. Um, but you know, Merry Christmas baby. And back to, I guess, the conversation we've just had that said, you know, they, he, they are a great covers band and, most of the time vocally he's a great covers vocalist uh so it just occurred to me not least of which i was trying to decide in my head what i would want um and i i actually had a short list of three none of which i've chosen which will become evident after we uh, we talk i want to talk through your choice first and then let's do mine but the early 70s back to the hammersmith show in the uk was a real sort of golden age for christmas singles you know everybody did one McCartney did one, Elton John did one, John Lennon did one. Uh, and my shortlist was actually John and Yoko's Happy Christmas War is Over. Uh, there's Wizards, so that was Roy Wood, who was in The Move, became ELO. Um, but he, he, he had a band called Wizard who do I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. And by the way, even in streaming, that will, I, I haven't checked this yet, I guarantee that will be in the top 20 songs streamed in the UK in the month of December. Uh, and then what will almost certainly be in the top 10 is a song by Slade called Merry Christmas, Everybody. And if folks in the US haven't heard either of those, then go on to Spotify and have a listen, because that's, that's the sound of Christmas in the UK. Um, so that was the premise that just said, well, if you had the choice, what would, what would you take? But I will talk through mine in a minute, but I'm keen to hear what you chose, Jesse. So... Uh, one of the things I do need to share, and this is why we never go short, um, we were doing a Christmas celebration this week, and we did different games every day, and, and Monday was Name That Holiday Tune, and I said, hey, I edit podcasts, why don't I put together playlists? So I ended up doing 27 three song selections about 10 to 12 songs each um and we played that and i was not going to add the pogues fairy tale of new york till i read that it is a number one of the number one songs in uh the uk yeah and i went you know what 
because I did I did easy, medium, and hard, and I put that on hard because that is a that is a song I love. Just because sometimes you want to feel blue at Christmas, yep. um, so I would definitely check those. So bear with me. I grew up traveling around a lot, but we finally settled in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is the heel of Louisiana, which is a boot. And KLOU was the AM rock station <laughs> that I listened to on my clock radio at my in my room. Oh wow. And it was not Christmas till the Friday after Thanksgiving when, and back then they did not start Christmas music till that day. God, imagine that. And Charles Brown, Please Come Home for Christmas, would play. And my wife cannot stand that song. <laughs> and, but I love it. And the reason why is it brings back Christmas to me. It brings that, I remember hearing that on the radio. And also, right, you you couldn't play it on demand. Yeah. So you just had to catch it whenever they played it. And when I hear that ding, 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 bells will be ringing, it brings me back Christmas. So I would love to hear, and the Eagles have done a version, Bon Jovi has done a version. I didn't realize that. Yes, but I would love to hear Bruce do Please Come Home for Christmas. Well, let's take a listen to a clip and just put, you know, if you're listening, put your head into Bruce and uh, the E Street Band doing this because I think it would be brilliant. Friends and relations, since salutation should and the stars shine above. This is Christmas. Yes, Christmas, my dear, the time of year to be with the one you love. Then won't you tell me you'll never more own Christmas and New Year will find you. No more sorrow, no grief and pain. Cause I'll be happy, happy once again. I deliberately, I, I did deliberately choose the end of the song because for me it was like, okay, so you can imagine Bruce hamming that up. Um, yes. You can imagine, I don't know, does the glockenspiel, is Roy, I think it is, uh, the yeah. glockenspiel instead of bells, and then that guitar sound was just made for Stevie. <laughs> it is. And the other thing that as I was listening to this clip, right, um, 
no more sorrow, no more pain. With this COVID, right, is it even I'll be, you know, please come home for Christmas. Yep. To be able to travel, to be able to see loved ones again, it does bring a little bit more meaning than, and like I said, I love it because of my memories, but also the idea that please come home for Christmas, be able to come home for Christmas is beautiful. And yes, I agree. The E Street Band would kill that. Uh, it would just be a great, great cover. Well, who knows? Dreams do exactly. dreams do come true. So um, let me respond then, because I gave you I gave you my shortlist, and uh, I can't believe actually I missed Soft Fairy Tale of New York. Although I do think it says something about the British psyche that the favorite Christmas song is a song about a completely dysfunctional and abusive relationship. <laughs> but there you go. That says Brits were a bit strange, really. Yes. Um, I gave you the shortlist, but the song I've chosen is actually a new song that's come out this year. And you will know, he's been a guest on, uh, on Settlers and Bruce, but... Um, uh, each year I now do uh, with the lovely Stephen Routledge, uh, yes. I do you know, on Music Talks a best songs and then a best uh, album of the year. And it's great doing it with Stephen because he has such a wide range of, of musical tastes and he always, he comes up with stuff that I not only have not listened to, I actually just haven't heard of, which is great. And one of uh, his albums of the year is from a guy called Nick Pionti, that's P-I-U-N-T-I. So it's Nick Pionti and the Complicated Men, which is just a great title for a band. And they have an album called Downtime. And it's 10 songs long. It lasts for 31 minutes. And it's melodic, tuneful, jangly power pop with great hooks. And I'm listening to it and thinking, wow, this is obviously some young book, you know, 25 I don't know how big the stereophonics were in the US, but you know the vocalist Kelly Jones has a real big, powerful, he's from Wales, powerful voice, and I'm thinking, this this guy sounds a lot like Kelly Jones. Um, I then went on and checked, and it turns out that Nick Pinty is 60. <laughs> wow. How? Uh, he doesn't sound like a 60-year-old. Uh, so I love that. Honestly, th- just give yourself 31 minutes of joy and listen to the album. But then, two days after... I'd recorded that episode with Stephen, what pops into my inbox, but Nick Penty has done a Christmas single, and I think this has got Bruce and the E Street Band all over it, so let's take a listen. Get some sleep, building more left to open. I 
How good is that? Oh my goodness, Terry. <laughs> that is, I mean, you know, um, oh, I always get this wrong, right? The, uh, I think Trek Resnick, right, said that I didn't know when I wrote Hurt, I had written a Johnny Cash song. Yeah. Um, did they not know they wrote an Easter Street Band I, song? I think they probably did, which is um, makes them makes me love them even more. Um, oh, by the way, Nick has been producing music. I mean, I think he, he started his first band when he was 12. So I always just get excited when these people pop up. You think, where have you been all my life? So, um, I, well, I'm glad, uh, and you can... You can tell what's going to be playing in the Smith household very loud as we walk downstairs on Christmas morning. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I am going to, the moment we get off this, I am going to go Google this. And so um, you're going to watch Saturday Night Live after the Seahawks game. After the Cowboys lose to the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> I will be going and listening to Downtime. Go and listen to uh, Downtime and then get yes, that single. That's yes, good. absolutely. That is absolutely beautiful. Oh, well, I'm pleased. Um, just a, not only musically but i love the lyrics and the idea i don't need anything because you know how often do you and laura say that right like okay it's christmas we when we need something we go buy it yep. like you know in it in it um oh just, just that's that's brilliant I, yeah I and it's so... obviously it's, it's very i played it to laura today because it's you know with what's going on here uh, and i know as you say you've absolutely got your challenges there but you know we are we are not having family around on Christmas and that, because we we can't and we shouldn't. Uh, so the sentiment of yeah, all I needed you is uh, is a is a powerful one. So uh, oh, I'm glad perfect. you liked it, sir. Sharing music oh, yes. is a great well, joy. I, I do want to just give a comment. I love the fact that because a guy living in Seattle reached out and said, "Hey, I'd like to be on set listing, Bruce." has led to this network oh. of Set Less and Bruce Music Talks family. <laughs> like there is a subset of friends that we have made, um, Stephen and Ian and, and all these others that um, we have become this kind of our own kind of virtual pod. And that brings me so much pleasure. <laughs> so I have to tell you a story, Jesse, because this is, this is a little pre-release. Um, but I'm... Um, my first and it will be episodes because it's going to be a two-parter um of music talks in the new year um and I, I wanted to try and get some some something a bit special um cut a long story short about nine months ago i started getting help on the editing um and i won't bore you with the full story but you know we swapped files and there was the odd comment and then and then and at one point i said to laurie but i have no idea who this guy is you know, because we, we then worked out that he lived in Scotland as well, and I'd found him on the internet. Um, and I'd done the, when COVID's over, we should catch up for a beer. And then I suddenly thought, he could be 18, he could be 80. Um, yeah. And then he, he passed a comment on one episode of, oh, I really enjoyed that. Anyway, we eventually got to the point where I said, John, would you like to come on as a guest? And he came back and he said, yeah, I'd love to. And it turned out he's actually a few years older than me. And then he said, do you want... Do you, do you want me to send you through some bio or do you just want to? And I said, well, bio. I, I, originally when I started, I always just say, oh, just turn up. But actually bio helps. He sent through his bio and I went, <laughs> um, basically he's been in bands for the last 40 years. Um, he was in a band that toured the US where the support band was Nirvana. 
Um, oh. He was uh, at the Happy Mondays first gig because they were supporting him. And he's, I mean, honestly, he, and he's got story after story after story. And, you know, the magic of what you introduced me to uh, just keeps on giving, honestly. So, uh, yeah, I... I get that joy as well that there's there's that network and it keeps growing. <laughs> yes, it does. It is so beautiful. It's and really cool, I am always quick to, if I have a good guest and, and everyone is good, but there's some that are just so filled with fun stories. Um, and I will go, you know, you should reach out to my friend, Terry Smith. I think you would do a really <laughs> good guest. Yeah, well, uh, that is brilliant. brilliant. That is so much fun. Um, I have one coming up, and we might have to edit this out, but um, I have a guy who is a massive Bee Gees fan. Oh, wow. And so he talked about, and I will, I will spoil this, um, he was there the night that Barry Gibb did I'm on Fire. Oh, you're joking. Yes, and he said, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I was so angry because this was the only time I had ever seen the Bee Gees live. And Barry Gibb, it's the, I knew this may be the only time I will ever see him. And one of the slots was a cover. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, as a Bruce Springsteen fan, I understand your pain. Absolutely. I, as always, I appreciate you. There is a lot of blessings doing this podcast, but our friendship is definitely, no, if I've got to put it on the top, it is, it is just been a joy. And I'm so glad that monthly-ish we get together and visit. <laughs> yeah, we may, uh, we, we may change the title to archives-ish. Um, yes. But, um, <laughs> and uh, I hope that you and your family have a wonderful, safe holiday. You know, I, I know that this is a scary time for all of us, Absolutely. and uh, I wish the best for your mother-in-law and the lovely Laura and, and yourself. Listeners, thank you so much for putting up with our um, banter. Uh, this is an excuse for Terry and I to get together uh, on a regular basis. In fact, this was born from, I said to Terry... I need an excuse to talk to you on a regular basis. And he's the one who came up with, well, how about this? This would be an excuse. And I went, I absolutely love it. So um, thank you for letting us get a chance to keep our friendship going by uh, listening. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Please be safe. Please remember to social distance. Wear an effing mask. Have a wonderful holiday season, no matter how you celebrate, no matter what you celebrate. I just hope this is a time where you can safely be with those you love and either virtually or um, via online. And we love you and please keep listening. Terry, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Jesse. And uh, yeah, I absolutely share those uh, those sentiments and uh, and also to you and, and Linda and the family. Um, I hope in the circumstances you have a great Christmas. It's a joy doing this. If anybody is interested in the podcast to do, by the way, it's Music Talks. People, our guests choose a song from each decade of their life and then tell me why and tell fantastic stories. So uh, you can find that at musictalkspod.com. But I wanted to close, given we were reviewing a magic show, um, and I realized a couple of days ago that last night uh, was the 13th anniversary of me seeing Bruce um, at the O2 in London on the Magic Tour. 
and it was one of the great shows. It's probably the best version of Racing in the Street I've ever heard him do. Uh, there was a fantastic version of Long Walk Home. And just to make you envious, Jesse, he started the encore with Girls in Their Summer Clothes. Ah, um, yes. But he finished, and this is the only time, but given it was December the 19th, he finished with this. And I, for one, think it's a brilliant version. So I'd like us to go out with a couple of minutes of something that will always put a smile uh, on my face. And it's uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. It's all cold down along the beach. The wind's whipping down the boardwalk. <laughs> hey, man! You guys know what time it is? Practicing real hard, yeah. Clients, you've been you've been rehearsing real hard now. So Santa, bring your new saxophone, right? Everybody out there been good or what? Oh, that's not many, not many. You guys in trouble out here. <laughs> and you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not bow. I'm telling you why. Say. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.